welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. You are now tuned in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the mountain off the back, you in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches, they find home on your mind about a double. This the weekly scraps. You don't need a map, GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow the seas, planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling. It ain't shit, it ain't shit, motherfucker. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly. Weekly scraps. <laughs> oh man, we had a great week. Finally back home in New York. We had a great time over in Vegas. I had to go get some things taken care of. Get my little shoulder looked at, mate. You know, it's one of those type of things where if you have the opportunity to go get it looked at, you go get it looked at. You know, and that's what I had to do. So um back home. Um yo. I read that wrong. <laughs> uh, um my friend is doing a highlight, not a highlight video, but like a, a video for one of my workouts that he came down to record a couple weeks ago. And I read his text wrong. I thought he said I was trying to get the beat to match. And in, in my head, because he says this all the time, he says, I, I thought I, I thought he said I was trying to beat my meat, which I was like, yo, pro, what is wrong with you? But he said I was trying to get it to match the beat when he was doing the cuts and the edits kind of thing. But yeah, that's a completely different thing. Um, yes, yeah, so I got my shoulder looked at. They can't tell what's wrong with it. They checked for stability, checked if the labrum was torn or the rotator cuff. <clears throat> None of those things were an issue. So that's a good thing. But they were able to press the shoulder and it comes out of the socket a lot. Um, they said it was a little bit of an extra um, internal rotation going forward. Obviously, we sit in a stance this way and probably a lot of this shoulder rolling causes the impinging in the front, which I'm feeling. So we did a lot of exercises to try to bring the scapulas back into a nice um, normal state, so to speak, as normal as it can be for people that fight. You know, we're going to always be in this posture. That's just what it is, you know? So they worked on it for as long as they could for a week and a couple of days. I got there last week, Thursday, but it was good, you know, being there, getting to watch the fights. My fiance came out, her friend, um, in between semesters, she's got two more semesters left in nursing school. So we got to watch the fight Giga Chikadze um, versus Edson Barboza. Crazy bang of a fight. Um, I didn't do a recap on that, but that was a crazy fight. Just giving you guys a recap on my week. Got to watch that. And it's just been a super busy, hectic time trying to get everything in that you're trying to get in. And um, I had a lot of obligations that I had to do for media. And you'd be surprised how much time that takes up. It's absolutely crazy. When you, you start to add up all the time you do for social media, it's for social media and for the media, for like interviews and that type of thing, It it's very, very uh, time consuming. It's a big part of the game in terms of getting people interested, getting people wanting to watch you fight, um, getting them excited and all that. And I had to finish the UFC countdown out there. Uh, for some reason, they have it in their heads that I'm training in Vegas. I do train in Vegas, but uh, the majority of this camp is going to be back home in New York for the reason that I got to help Marab. He's fighting September 25th. And because he's fighting September 25th and he's doing his training camp in New York, I got to be in New York. You know, um, He came out for me. And I got to be a good training partner, good teammate, and be there for him, you know, a good friend. 
Uh, so I want to make sure I'm giving him the best looks and being in the best shape that I could possibly be in to help him get ready for that matchup with Marlon Rice so he can continue his climb up the band and weight ladder as well. You know, uh, he's been a very big part of my career and I would like to think that I've been a very big part of his as well in terms of us pushing each other. You know, he pushes me in the cardio aspect. I think I help bring the technical things and, and, uh, understanding the fight game and kind of like the mentality of your approach and, and how to do things in that type of fashion where we bounce ideas off of each other or we watch the fights and we kind of review things that could have been done better or even when we watch the fights together and we talk about things kind of like educating um, each other kind of thing, you know, especially since we've been doing the MMA class. I feel like everyone's game, especially Marab's, has elevated. I've been able to share the stuff that helped get me to where I am, how I've been able to get my takedowns, the timing of my takedowns and that type of thing and help expand that and help share that with him and the other guys at the gym, you know, so it's, it's all good. And um, October, I'm going to Abu Dhabi early. So it's like, I'm not going to have the opportunity to do much of the training in Vegas other than when I go out for Morales fight weekend, obviously when I just left, you know, so when I am down there and I'm in town, I got to make sure I get to the gym and do as much work as possible. It was crazy because what was it? Tuesday we sparred and I was being Marab's, uh, Marlon Marais, doing a lot of switch kicks, doing the hand motions, trying to do the Frankie Edgar thing where, you know, he's stepping over, he's pivoting and he's pumping the jab, trying to be the best Marlon Marais that I could be, even though it's, it's kind of un uncomfortable when you're fighting as a different style. And the other person isn't actually like working with you. They're trying to get you, you know? And I'm not saying he's like, Marab's like trying to knock me out, but he's in fight mode, you know? So he's like dialed in for the sparring session. Like I'm trying to help as best as I can while still being able to mitigate how much damage I take in the sparring session by trying to help. You know what I mean? So you got to kind of be like, I got to give, I got to take, I can't take too much punishment trying to pretend to be another guy. You know, when you're doing one thing, like you're just giving the looks and you're kind of drilling, going through the motions. All right, he does this. What are our counters? What are our, our go-to things that we're going to look for? Do we get out of there? Do we look for this specific attack? Do we look for this counter? That's how you get better. That's how you grow. And that's where the most improvements come to me, in my opinion, because once you can do that and you can do that consciously thinking about it, and then you could drill it in your head, lock it down, and then you go spar. And if you can see it, you kind of train your body into that habit. Like, okay, boom, pull the trigger, boom, pull the trigger. It's like, you don't have to be told it or someone gives you a cue to remember, like when he does this, remember what we've been working on kind of thing. You know, it's such an intricate sport because there's so many things that changes and you just never know what's going to happen when you get in there, you know? And on Tuesday, we sparred, did that, and I banged up my foot throwing a lot of those left switch kicks, kicking his elbow a couple of times, and I was like, ow. So then come Thursday, I thought I wasn't going to spar, but then I did. I did two ice baths. I did one on Tuesday night. Not Tuesday night. I did one on Wednesday. Then I did one, I think it was Friday. Friday. Yep. And then, uh, so Thursday, based on my foot, I kind of said this jokingly. I was like, let's, you know, let's see how the week goes. Um, maybe we could do both sparring sessions. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to do two sparring sessions. My foot hurts. Um, and two sparring sessions is a little bit overkill, especially if I'm going to be kicking, you know, cause I can't really, whatever. I'm not going to disclose that. I don't think that needs to be disclosed. <clears throat> um, for reasons that people might understand, but, um, we did a sparring session at Syndicate MMA. 
And then fast forward, took a nap, went to Extreme M- uh, Extreme Couture, Extreme MMA, Extreme Couture at 3.30. So we did an 11.30 session at uh, Syndicate MMA, and then went home, ate a little bit, even though we barely ate in between sessions, which was the craziest thing. I think I had a P3, um, some water, and a smoothie. I think that was it from the UFC PI. And then we sparred at 3.30. So there wasn't much recovery time in between, and there wasn't much time to eat because after sparring i went down to get my car checked out and to go say hi to the people at toyota finley down in henderson um those guys sponsored me with the car over there um so the least i could do is try to get down there when i'm in town you know you know show face say hello shake some hands kiss some babies and hopefully we can get this meet and greet and the signing going the next time we come down there because uh, I, like I said, I want to do my part for those guys helping me out with a car, a reliable car at that, you know. Um, but other than that, so we had this fight card, UFC Vegas 36. Man, these fights were bomb. Like, there were so many good ones, so many good scraps. And these are always the sleeper cards that always do pretty well. Um, Barrio, he beat um, Dolce Champion. Dolce Champion trains at Extreme Couture. Very cool guy. Very nice dude. Good fight. Um... Barrio did what he had to do. Dolce's swinging for the fences. He's just, it seems like he just lands instead of being more accurate with his shots. I think he's just more so throwing and hoping that um, if it lands and it connects, you're going to get put down because the power that the guy possesses is unreal. But we're going to go to the main card in a second. I just want to talk about this real quick. I, I was just looking at it and just kind of just caught me off guard. Um, so it was the first thing we talked about. But when you watch where he's connecting with the punches, you see Barrio keeping his arm up. And he's getting hit, he's getting knocked over, but he's not landing flush where it's like, yo, that's really doing the impact of damage that it should do because his arm is up and it's hitting the arm or it's hitting the glove. If you get hit right on the chin, you get hit right in the temple, that shot is shaking some brain waves in there. And you're probably going to be wondering where the hell you are looking up at the lights and seeing the doctors in your face telling you what happened kind of thing, you know? So I think he cleans up a little bit more things. I think he has to go forward a little bit more as well. He has to trust in his power and trust in his chin. A lot of times he had his mouth wide open and he's swinging his punches. I'm like, that's a recipe to get your jaw broken. That's one. And two, that's a recipe to just show that you're, you're tired, you know? And the main thing is get your jaw broken. Who wants to get their jaw broken just because they're, they're breathing and they're kind of not comfortable keeping their jaw clamped when they're getting ready to exchange, you know? So that's kind of the way I looked at that. I think if he goes forward a little bit, trusts his chin, puts his chin down, Trust his chin, gets behind his jab, that long arm that he has, and that big power. I think he might not have to worry about cardio because I think he'll connect a couple times and he'll get guys out of there. Um, I think it's just more of an inexperienced thing. Uh, he took he took Barrio down a couple times with, with some of that brilliant judo that he has, real slick. But when he took him down, he didn't really do much, if anything at all, other than a front headlock and nothing else to offer it worth it other than expending energy. Okay, so let's go to the main event. Derek Brunson versus Darren Till. This was a good fight. For me, it was the meme masters in the 185-pound division. Two guys that like to crack jokes, post memes and stuff like that, uh, battling it out. Darren Till coming out, no walkout entrance music. Um, Brunson coming out with what seemed like like a gospel-like song. Uh, Good vibes, though. Fun music still. Um, Came in like very... What I always say is when he gets in there, he almost looks like he's doesn't really want to be in there. Like he looks 
nervous and there's nothing wrong with being nervous because you should get nervous before a fight but i feel like he almost has a look on his face where it's just like it's almost the nerves are overwhelming him where it might take away some of his athletic ability and some of his um uh, I, don't, I don't know i don't i don't know i don't know the right word to kind of explain it but I feel like when you have a confidence, even though when you're nervous, but you're ready to go, you're just like loose, you're feeling it, you're in the moment, you can't wait, you're enjoying the ride. I feel like for him, he doesn't look like he's enjoying the ride all too much, but um, he gets in there, he still gets it done. You know, So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I just think his body language when he gets in there, I'm not saying overly hype yourself up, maybe that's his thing. I always said this about Carla Esparza too. I feel like when she gets in there, she looks like, almost like a deer in headlights, like, I don't know what to do in this moment, or I don't want to be here. And I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying the way it looks and the way it comes off in the camera when they're standing there in the body language, especially in person, when I'm seeing them, I'm like, Darren Till sitting there posturing, you know, he's ready to go, like, ready to stake his claim in the land, like, this is my territory, and he doesn't need to be over the top like a Conor McGregor, like, trying to do the whole thing, the Billy Strutt and all that. He's not doing all that. He's sitting there, like, you know, like, yo, we're going to fight. Mother, like, yo, motherfucker, we're here. We're fighting. This is about to be a scrub. You know what I mean? And um, I think this just shows your opponent, like, yeah, man, I'm ready to go. Like, we're doing this. The day is here. The time is here. Let's go. Let's 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 touch them up and let's let's see what's gonna happen. Let's see who's gonna be the best on this day, this night. And I think uh, t- I think Brunson could work on that a little bit more. But getting into the details of the fight, I will say Brunson, like I tweeted right before the fight, I said Brunson should win this. I don't think Darren Till has made any improvements in his grappling. And this fight showed exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to get into that in a second. The only way I saw Till winning that fight is if Brunson got tired and gassed himself out, which he was on his way to doing. Because when he does that and he starts to get a little bit desperate, he leaves himself a little bit open when he's reaching for the takedown and hoping that he can just grab you and pull you in with those big, strong arms. And if he does that, great. The only thing is he leaves himself open. And that's the same thing that happened with him in the fight with Israel Adesanya. And that's the only reason why I think he really got finished. I'm not saying Adesanya wouldn't have finished him. I'm not saying Adesanya isn't good. He connects. He sets up his shots. He gets beautiful timing. But he uses the frame. And he saw when Brunson comes in for a takedown, he sees his openings. Throws a kick, punch, cracks him, drops him, follows up, doesn't get too close, keeps the distance, maintains the range, and follows up with some more beautiful striking. With a guy like Brunson, who kind of pushes his punches, he he normally, if he does throw a good punch, a good technical punch, it's usually the first one where it's just clean, where he's just boom. But when he's standing there in front of you, and he's trying to like be a clean, technical striker, it doesn't look good, and it never comes out the right way. But when he's kind of like more like moving all over the place, and he bum rushes and he charges in, he gets his body weight behind his long go-go gadget arms, he connects and he hurts guys. And I think that's the difference. I think when he's like that, he's moving, but when he's a stationary target, I think he's going to leave himself open for trouble. I would love to see him get a title shot. I think it's about time to see a guy like that who's paid his dues, like Derek Brunson has, for just about everyone in this division. 37 years old, he's not getting any younger. And, um... Just give him a shot, you know? Obviously, Whitaker is definitely the next fight, but if that fight's not going to happen, why not let Brunson get back in there, run it back with Israel Adesanya and see what happens, you know? I don't know who's not being able to fight until 2022, but I think why not let the fight happen, you know? Because if he's going to be ready, 
I think you give it to him over Cannonier, or you give it Cannonier because he never had a title shot as of yet. So it's like, why not? So that's the kind of the way I'm looking at this division right now. But again, I think Brunson needs to be very aware about the strikes that he's taking in the process of getting his takedowns. He's a little bit more, he's a lot more calculated in his approach. When he gets guys down, he does a good job of maintaining control, keeping the positioning, staying heavy on top, and landing some nasty ground and pound. There was one shot that he threw, I think it was a huge right hand, that hit the canvas till got his head out of the way, and you could hear the thud on the ground, and you're like, yo... This is crazy right now. The crowd got on their feet when Till starts to connect the punches. And then Derek uh, Brunson shoots in, grabs the legs. And you see Till fighting for the takedown. And everyone's standing up like, don't go down. Don't go down. He defends the takedown. And we're like, woo, let's go. Let's go. And then they separate. He throws combinations again. Hurts Brunson. And then, or... Not really hurt him, but looks like he has Brunson kind of reeling backwards. And then Brunson shoots in again and finishes the takedown. And you're just like, you see him. You could see the roller coaster effect with the crowd. Like, ah, 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 oh, he hit him. Oh, he got, oh. And it's just a crazy fun fight to watch. So that was super enjoyable to watch. And um, especially live. Because you felt like Till was having his moments. And then you saw Brunson having his moments. And when he got him down, he beat him up pretty, pretty good. Um, it wasn't like crazy ground and pound, but the shots that landed, man, they landed hard. Now, Darren Till did a good initial job of stopping takedowns over under position. So he has the overhook. He has the underhook. Um, doing a great job of maintaining his hip controls, keeping the distance, keeping upright. The problem was for me. When Darren Till got taken down, there was no use of the bottom legs working to get out of those positions. No use of the bottom leg work. And on top of that, there was no use of the underhook. When you use that underhook, you have to use your legs in conjunction and use them all simultaneously to bring the body and rock the weight over your head so that you can create some off-balancing moments so that you can scoot to your hip and that you can scrape this, the ankle, look for a single leg, and do a proper get-up, technical get-up, or at least get back to your feet. A couple of times he was in that position, kept his, both his shoulders flat, was accepting to hold on, the double clamp, um, the, the wait for the ref moment. Um, ref, hopefully come save me. I'm sinking. Hopefully you come in and step in. There was a couple of those moments where it's like, Darren, He's not doing anything. When he starts framing your face and you feel like you're about to abandon ship and go overboard like as if the ship is sinking, right hand underhook. Get to your left hip. Now you're on your hip. You could tuck your head under the crotch so that he can't punch you legally. He can punch you in the back of the head, but he can't punch you legally. Playing the game, understanding the rule system, knowing how to properly and intelligently defend yourself. Not saying Brunson wouldn't have sagged his weight back and sit and smothered him, kept his hips back and try to create space. But the underhook, ducking your head underneath, getting on your left hip makes you that much harder of a target to hit. And then with that, you take your right leg, you step over the foot, stepping over the ankle, and you extend the ankle and you put pressure on the, on the ligament. Now their knee is turned where if they start to push forward, they can rip their own ligaments and pop their own ligaments, whatever you want to call it, 
and just pretty much destroying their own knee. They're attacking their knee by going against the grain of the forces that are upon them at that very moment. So now Till scrapes the ankle. He gets the underhook. He pulls it up high. He gets low on the hip. Now he's grabbing cheek. He's grabbing full cheek now or right under that cheek with his right hand. Left hand is grabbing underneath the knee, trying to attack the ankle, looking for a sweep, or getting your elbow to your hip and trying to scoot on the side, protecting your face at the same time. So elbow to the ribs, protecting your face from the punches, keeping your head underneath, scraping the ankle, and then you're going to bridge as you bridge. So you create the rocket motion first, and then you bridge the hip into that knee line, and you try to get on your side. And the opponent is silly enough to keep pressuring in while their ankles turn they're going to destroy their own knee or they'll just get swept you know what i mean so it's just one of those things where i'm like i don't think he put any real proper time into learning how to properly get up with a good jujitsu practitioner wrestlers beat jujitsu guys because we're good with the hips but jujitsu guys beat us when we're overzealous and over committing and not keeping the right pressure and paying respect to the jiu-jitsu guy putting pressure on certain body parts that take away from our pressure and we try to be stubborn. And when we're stubborn like that, bad things happen. So I do think Darren Till can make a lot of improvements, but he needs to spend some serious time with the grappling department. Him, Edward Shabazian, um, a couple of other guys that have lost to Derek Brunson because the grappling just isn't key. Kevin Holland. Uh, Ian Heiser is a good grappler, but not really a jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, Elias Theodoro. So when I look at that, I'm just like, I see these guys. And um, Darren Till, I saw Kevin Holland's post saying that him and Darren Till are on their way to um, somewhere to go wrestle with Khabib or something like that, a.k.a. or something like that on the bus. It was actually a, a funny post. But it's it's the truth. It's You guys know what you need to work on. And I think it's professionally irresponsible for the coaches that are watching the sessions and for the fighter to be honest with themselves and knowing what they need to work on. It's like for me, I know I need to work on what punching power. People could say cardio, but then you look back at the other fights. Well, if the guy only got tired in this one fight, why is it the cardio that needs to be focused? Clearly something might've happened that was off or wrong that night. Or if it's my punching power, we're like, okay, can we work on punching power? I got long arms. What can I do differently to, to work on the punching power? Maybe focus on sitting down on my punches while still being able to keep the output of my cardio high so that I don't lose what got me to the show. You know what I mean? Is it functional enough to, maybe you don't have the punching power, but it's enough to keep you in the game with just about everyone in the top of your division. And that's something you got to balance out and keep honest with yourself. Derek Brunson, his striking, his striking defense. Those are things that are glaring holes that he needs to work on and really needs to make up for because the grappling is good, but the fight starts on the feet. It's not like he's Khabib. It's not like he's super elusive on the feet. He gets hit. So how do you fix that, Brunson, so that when you go into this rematch with the title fight or go into a fight in a guy like Cannonier, how do you fix that so that you don't get caught in those positions in the transition of trying to get to the fight to the floor? Darren, Darren Till, how do you keep the fight standing? Or how do you get back to your feet and make the guy expend so much energy trying to take you down where it's almost a moot point because he takes you down and he struggles to take you down where he's using up more energy because as you take you take someone down, what our coaches always taught us in college, when you get taken down, pop up right back. Because now when they mat return you and you pop up right back and they mat return you again, 
two to four of those, and this guy is going to be like, holy crap, I'm not trying to lift this guy up, squeeze the leg, hold on with my arms and squeeze in these positions, trying to mat return this guy. Meanwhile, the ref is over there. You have to return him. You have to return him. Then they're banging you for stalling. And everything is exhausting. So it's like, how does Darren Till keep the fight in those positions where the guy is struggling using more positional power and, and endurance? His energy bar is going down. You're using a little bit, but not as much as the other guy. And then when they do take you down, it's discouraging when you get right back up. Now you force the guy to be in your world and fight the way you want him to fight. Fight IQ. But it starts in the trim. It starts in the training room. I'm not saying Darren Till doesn't work on this stuff. So don't try to bash me for that. I'm just saying clearly... There is a disconnect here with his jujitsu game from the fights and to what he's doing in the room. Because if he's really putting that much time in, we're not seeing it. You know, you could tell when someone's putting a lot of time into their striking, you could be like, yo, that guy's made some improvements. You could look at like a guy like a Clay Guida. That guy made some improvements. And then you look at a fight like that and you're just like, listen, man, um, Something needs to be done, but you need people around you that's going to tell you, hey, man, let's do four times a week of grappling and maybe only two times a week of the striking because we got the other stuff down. We know we're not going to lose that overnight. This other stuff, we really need to get comfortable so that we at least have a baseline so that when we get back into these positions, we can hammer it out and not have any problems in these fights. That was a long segment on Darren Till and Derek Brunson, but I think it had to be done. I hope you guys find that informational, um, that information very informative, and uh, hope it makes sense. You know what I mean? I just hope it makes sense. Um, the next one, co-main event, Tom Aspinall versus Spivak. Very fun fight. Obviously not for Spivak, but for Aspinall. I called Aspinall Frank Mir because he looks like a young Frank Mir. Um, in the face, the same haircut that Frank Mir is actually still kind of rocking. Uh, he's 28 years young. And it's crazy because a guy like this, you don't see too many young guys in this division. So it's a great opportunity for the UFC to really build another heavyweight contender. He moves like Cyril Gann in terms of his feints. Not much of a kicker, more of a striker with the hands. Um, but he's honestly, from what I'm hearing and from what I've seen, he's more of a grappler. So the fact that he can move like that and sit on his punches and then get out of the way with the reflexes when people are trying to attack and then swing caution into the wind, like the Spivet fight, it shows how good the ceiling is for the heavyweight division. It shows how good a guy like Tom Aspinall is. And it shows that there are real good contenders coming up in this heavyweight division that the UFC has been dying for. Let's be honest. This heavyweight division has been the weakest division in all the UFC roster. You got the flyweights, they can say whatever they want because the Mighty Mouse was that just that damn good. Now that he's gone, you see the rest of the division. You're seeing like, wow, this division is actually very, very talented. And the belts are changing hands, exciting fights, people still getting knocked out. But when you had Mighty Mouse there, people were thinking that because Mighty Mouse was that damn good, they thought the, the division just kind of sucked. It's like, no, that guy's just that damn good. There's a difference. And I think now if Mighty Mouse were to come back, obviously he's older now. But if he was to come back to fight a guy like Brandon Moreno, I think it's a different fight. Good grappler, good striking, who had time to grow. The division grew, and you could argue that time has grown the division, but I'm also arguing that. But I'm also saying at the same time, I think that division was a lot more deep, a lot deeper, a lot more deep, a lot deeper than the heavyweight division where most of those guys were pushing over 35. You know, so when you see that and you see that, it's like, come on, man, there's room for growth in this division. And now to see younger guys coming into this division, it's fun. 
You see a guy like Tom Aspinall that can move nimbly on his feet and touch somebody up and get out of there. That gets me excited, man. That's like a young Ali touching and going. Sting like a butterfly, float like a bee. You can't hit what you can't see. You know what I mean? So it's one of those. And then he's got the grappling to boot. What more can you ask for in a guy like that? When Spivak is a good grappler, trying to get the fight to the ground, he couldn't, got hit with a knee, and then caught with a flush elbow, and that was pretty much the beginning of the end for that fight. Uh, Tom Aspinall, a.k.a. Young Frank Mir, um, fun fighter to watch, so keep that guy on your radar. Alex Morano, he looked very good. Khalil Roundtree versus Bukakis. Now, here's my take on this. Roundtree looked dynamite in the first round. Kind of slowed up a little bit for whatever reason. Um, Bukakis was starting to have a little bit of success. Not more than Roundtree still, but a little bit more than what he had in the first round. The first round was pretty bad to watch. It looked like a guy in there with a lion, the lion chasing the prey, and the prey is trying to get out of the way and just trying to find different obstacles to run behind and get out of the way and and hope the person gets a little bit tired, which is what was happening, but Roundtree was still having success, but missing a lot more as the fight started to go on. Now, he tried that side kick, oblique kick, maybe two or three times before the last one that ended the fight. Listen, it's a legal strike. I know people say it's a bullshit strike, and it might be. But if you start taking away strikes that are devastating, then we might as well just turn to boxing or just call it Sambo. Because it's like if, and even in Sambo, I don't even know if that's a legal or illegal strike in Sambo, but Sambo's got like punching with throws and takedown submissions. I'm, and I'm not saying it's not fun, but I'm saying you start to take away like the, like, I don't want to say the main attacks, but you start to take away the strikes that can really put damage on people. It's like, what about if I run in and throw a flying knee? Is that not a devastating strike? And I know people are saying, well, the knee strike is a career ender. And I agree. I agree. But what is the difference between that kick and someone doing a knee bar or a heel hook and holding on a little bit too long? And even if they don't hang, hold on a little bit too long, what if you tap too late? It's all the same things, all manipulating the same joints. I do think it's cheesy. So hear what I'm saying. It's a cheesy strike. It is a legal strike. I don't think it should be taken away. But the same breath, I do think it's a little cheesy. You do think it's a little cheesy. But it gets the job done. And if it's going to make you be hesitant about stepping on that front leg super hard when you throw a jab and your foot's all the way linked out. And I got a picture that I posted with Augusto Mendez stepping on my leg the same exact way and my knee hyperextends. And I'm like, ah, what was that? It makes you think twice. And now you got to be conscious of the way that you're moving. It's like the same other thing. It's like if I'm going to be cautiously, um, un uh, recklessly throwing caution into the wind with winging punches and then someone level changes and dumps me on my ass. Yeah, again, it's not the career ender that they're saying. So far, this that strike hasn't ended any careers. They're saying that it could. Uh, unless it were to break someone's leg and you'd be like, damn, that really, like, you really, you're, you're done. Then I could be like, okay, that really is a career ender. But... We haven't seen it end of careers yet for us to really be like, yo, this strike really needs a review. I will say 12 to 6 elbows from a, a, an opponent down versus an opponent on their back throwing a 12 to 6 elbow at the crown of the head. 
I'd argue that's just as much of a bullshit strike because you're laying down on your back. It's not 12 to six, but it's three to nine. What is the difference? It's a messed up strike. That's going to do a lot of damage on the crown of the head, which is the softest part of the skull. The softest part of the skull where as a baby, you're told not to touch that part of the head because you could leave the indent and the brain is still forming and the head's not hard enough. Ding, ding, ding. That's going to, that's going to, I don't want, I hate trying, I'm trying not to curse too much, but that's going to F you up really bad. It's going to F you up. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I don't think it should be illegal. I don't think people should be spamming it. And I'm not saying Khalil spammed it, but it just happened to land at the right spot and it ended the fight. And it was just one of those things where it's a legal strike, man. If I'm going to oblique kick you from you running in and every time you step in, you got to think about, oh, my knee is getting hyperextended. It changes the game. It changes your game plan. And you have to fight differently and adjust to my attacks and my tactics. I think it gets as simple. I think it's as simple as that. But it's not that simple because it's a very complicated thing. And again, we're talking about careers here, you know. Um, but congrats to Roundtree, man. Beautiful fight. That guy is a juggernaut when he throws the power coming off of his fist that I can see whiffing past Bukakis's face. I'm just like, bro, get out of there. <laughs> or <laughs> play dead. Quick, play dead. Oh, he's acting again. He's acting. Um, the next one, Patty Pimblett versus Luigi um, Vendramini. Very, very fun fight. Now, Patty the Batty. I think he's the real deal in terms of the package. Fun. Talks a big game. Walks a big game. Performs. Um entertaining fighter in terms of the sense of he's he's got the crowd reeling in whether it's him on the fence from almost being on the verge of being TKO'd slash knocked out versus coming back and having his opponent reeling back into the fence and teeing off on him if he can continue to fight like that great but let's be honest here this how many times can a fight play out in that sequence, and you come out on top. And I'm not saying he can't go on a ridiculous run where he knocks out five guys like that. It can happen. This is MMA. I've seen Lightning strike three times in a row against top five and top ten fighters, a.k.a. Marlon Marais. <clears throat> Things that probably should never have happened, but it did. You get lucky sometimes in such a wild sport that's super unpredictable. So he can go on a crazy run, and people may say, it's working, until it's not, and then that's when people are going to Give him shit and say his style uh, is not good. I don't think he's the most technical fighter. I think his grappling might be a little bit better. I remember him fighting at 45. This was at 55. Good opponent matchup. Um, Luigi's very dangerous guy. I'm not saying it was a walk in the park. Luigi had some had success in the UFC before this fight. Legitimate opponent. It wasn't like, no disrespect, Conor McGregor fighting Marcus Brimage on a UFC debut fighting a guy who should be at Bantamweight. Um, when McGregor is so much bigger than this guy, um, and also had been knocked out a couple of times already. So it was just kind of like a layup kind of gimme fight in the sense of that, when you look back at it in hindsight, um, but I think it's good for the UFC. As he said, he's the new cash cow. Everyone's going to be calling him out. I agree. Keep doing your thing. Keep shining, keep winning. And hopefully he makes a ton of money. Hopefully he, he can continue to elevate the sport the way Conor McGregor did, whether people love them or hate him. I just think that's what it's all about. And uh, if you can if the, if you can help the next guy make money, then what's the problem? 
if we're going to elevate the sport, I have no issues or no qualms about it. You know, like I said, entertaining fighter, talks to talk, funny as all hell. Let's bring this fight back to the UK and make me the main event or the co-main event. And we blow the roof of that guff, whatever that guff is, uh, the roof, a guff, um, whatever. Funny dude, entertaining guy. You can't ask for much. How you like me now? And this silly dance I've never seen before. I don't know what this is. Must be, I don't know if it's a Liverpool thing. Um, but it was honestly hilarious. Um, I love that Bisman called him out and saying, you almost got knocked out there, buddy. But it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And amen to that. As long as you get your hand raised, SMD, I won the fight. Suck it! Degeneration X, you know? So um, congrats to Patty Pimblett. Even though he did talk a little shit about me, I don't care. At the end of the day, I appreciate good fighters, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So congrats to him. Again, he just has to clean a couple things up. The UFC grooms in the right way. This guy's a future star, um, and I already think he's a star, and hopefully they pay him and treat him like one. Uh, next, Jack Shore versus Show Sho, um, Ludwig. Just call it Ludwig. Great fight. Fun fight. Jack Shore looked phenomenal. Clean, poised, never got outpaced. Honestly, he kind of reminded me almost like a Petey Jan S in terms of his um, poisonous, taking his time, a little bit more footwork than a Jan, but took his time, waited for the right opportunities to strike, waited for the right opportunities to shoot, took his opponent down, who was a, a beast of a, a wrestler from the Ukraine and did a phenomenal job. Um, Ludwig now 9-2 after that. Jack Shore 15-0 from Wales. Like I said, tough fighter. Um, good grappler, very smart, very educated, very calm in tough situations where the guy is trying to pressure you and knowing what to do in those situations. That takes a lot of fight IQ and takes a lot of practice to get yourself into those type of positions and comfortability in the octagon and let alone in a fight. Um, so congrats to him. I'm, I'm looking forward to him. Hopefully his next one is actually a top five, a top five, top 15, top 10 opponent. I think he deserves it, and it'll be good to see where he's really at after beating Hunter Zor, Ludwig, Aaron Phillips, um, Nolan Hernandez, and before that, Scott Malone. So he's one, two, three, four, no in the UFC. Uh, next one, Julian Rosa versus Charles Jordan. Fun fight, catch weight. Julian Rosa, a.k.a. Juicy J, does his thing. Fun fighter to watch. He always brings it, and you know he's going to be a, a top performer. It seems like his MO is finish or be finished. He, he doesn't really care. Just goes for it. And that's the type of guy that I enjoy watching. He's 25 and 9. 26 and 9. Sorry, no disrespect. But that's just the way he fought. He fights. Um, finished Sean Woodson. And uh, he lost his one before this. So he beat Sean Woodson on his UFC day, um, return. Beat Nate Landwehr, flying knee. Um, but Sean Woodson, he beat him by Dark Stroke. And now jo Charles Jordan, he beats him by... Dark stroke as well. But before that, he lost to Wu Choi. But it's just crazy seeing stuff like this and seeing how guys kind of go on a run, come back, reinvent themselves, pick themselves up, never get down, keep working hard. It's not it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint-hearted of this sport. He's 32 years old. Most guys would have quit already and gave up, took his opportunity when it presented itself, and look at him. Back in the UFC, doing his thing with a 3-1 and record now since his return. And two of those fights being short notice from what I understand, or three. So kudos to him, and obviously condolences to the Extreme Couture family, the loss of Kyle. Um, Kyle helped me out a couple of times for my training camp with Pete Jan. Um, 
seemed like a really cool dude. I, it sucks that I never got the opportunity to really hang out with him and get to know him a little bit more on the personal side outside of the octagon. I saw people posting videos and stuff like that, um, hanging out, and those guys just having a good time. And it would have been fun to be a part of something like that. And I just like, you know, this sport, you get to meet good people. And it just seemed like he was one of those good ones um, that, you know, gone too early, you know. So, um Condolences to his family. I know he has a daughter and everyone at Extreme Couture. I made sure I sent over a small donation um, with Eric. Uh, I left him some money for the GoFundMe. I think GoFundMe takes a little bit of percentage out of it. So I just want to make sure that they got the entirety of the money. Nothing too crazy. A couple, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Um, nothing too big, but uh, a donation on the lease. And I just want to make sure that I said my part saying thank you for those guys taking me in with open arms and allowing me to be a part of the Extreme Couture family, and be a, a cross-training a cross partner, you know? So thank you guys, and condolences. Um, and on that note, man, thank you guys for always tuning into the podcast. You know, obviously, ending on a note like that, it makes things a little bit tough, but uh, we got a couple more fights coming up. Um, I want to say shout-out to Muin. Uh, how do you say his last name? I always mess this up. Garofav, I think. He's fighting on the Contender Series this Tuesday, tomorrow. Gonna be a fun fight. He's one to watch. He came down when I had a hernia after my Mizugaki fight. We didn't really get to work out too much. Probably one time, to be honest, because of I had the hernia. Um, we moved around. Uh, he was a young kid back then. That was 2015. So he's 26 now. That was a couple years ago. So um, I thought he was very talented back then. Still think he's very talented now. And I'm looking forward to his fight. He had a crazy fight with John Lineker. I'm looking forward to see how he does with this one. So tune into that. Like I said, good fighter, tough fighter, fun fighter to watch. He throws some spinning shit, so I think you guys are going to enjoy him. And um, as always, if you like my shit, guys, subscribe to my shit. Or spin it back, Fizz, baby. I'll see you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. That's the show. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get to stepping. And remember, we bring the noise because the people want the funk. Until next time, this is the Weekly Scraps. Bye-bye.